Part four, chapter sixty-five of Thus Spake Zarathustra by Friedrich Nietzsche, translated by Thomas Common. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Magician. One. When, however, Zarathustra had gone round a rock, then saw he on the same path, not far below him, a man who threw his limbs about like a maniac, and at last tumbled to the ground on his belly. Halt, said then Zarathustra to his heart. He there must surely be the higher man. From him came that dreadful cry of distress. I will see if I can help him. When, however, he ran to the spot where the man lay on the ground, he found a trembling old man with fixed eyes, and in spite of all Zarathustra's efforts to lift him and set him again on his feet, it was all in vain. The unfortunate one also did not seem to notice that someone was beside him. On the contrary, he continually looked around with moving gestures like one forsaken and isolated from all the world. At last, however, after much trembling and convulsion and curling himself up, he began to lament thus. Who warmth me, who loveth me still? Give ardent fingers, give heartening charcoal warmers, prone, outstretched, trembling, like him, half dead and cold, whose feet won warmth, and shaken, ah, by unfamiliar fevers, shivering with sharpened icy cold frost arrows by thee pursued my fancy ineffable recondite sore frightening thou huntsman hide the cloud-banks now lightning struck by thee thou mocking eye that me in darkness watcheth thus do i lie bend myself twist myself convulsed with all eternal torture and smitten by thee cruelest huntsman thou unfamiliar god smite deeper smite yet once more pierce through and rend my heart what meanth this torture with dull indented arrows why look'st thou hither of human pain not weary with mischief-loving godly flash-glances not murder wilt thou but torture torture for why me torture thou mischief-loving unfamiliar god aha thou stealest nigh in midnight's gloomy hour what wilt thou speak thou crouched me pressest ha ah, now far too closely thou hearest me breathing thou o'erhearest my heart thou ever jealous one of what pray ever jealous off off for why the latter wouldst thou get in to heart in clamber to mine own secretest conceptions in clamber shameless one thou unknown one thief what seekest thou by thy stealing 
what seek'st thou by thy hearkening what seek'st thou by thy torturing thou torturer thou hangman god or shall i as the mastiffs do roll me before thee and cringing enraptured frantical my tail friendly waggle in vain goad further cruelest goader no dog thy game just am i cruelest huntsman thy proudest of captives thou robber hind the cloud-banks speak finally thou lightning-veiled one thou unknown one speak what wilt thou highway ambusher from me what wilt thou unfamiliar god what ransom gold how much of ransom gold solicit much that bits my pride and be concise that bits mine other pride ha ah, ha me once thou me entire and torturest me fool that thou art dead torturest's quite my pride give love to me who warmth me still who loveth me still give ardent fingers give heartening charcoal warmers give me the lonesomest the ice ah sevenfold frozen ice for very enemies for foes doth make one thirst give yield to me cruelest foe thyself away there fled he surely my final only comrade my greatest foe mine unfamiliar my hangman god nay come thou back with all of thy great tortures to me the last of lonesome ones oh come thou back all my hot tears in streamlets trickle their course to thee and all my final hearty fervour upglowth to thee oh come thou back mine unfamiliar god my pain my final bliss two here however zarathustra could no longer restrain himself he took his staff and struck the wailer with all his might stop this cried he to him with wrathful laughter stop this thou stage-player thou false coiner thou liar from the very heart i know thee well i will soon make warm legs to thee thou evil magician i know well how to make it hot for such as thou leave off said the old man and sprang up from the ground strike me no more o zarathustra i did it only for amusement that kind of thing belongeth to mine art thee thyself i wanted to put to the proof when i gave this performance 
and verily thou hast well detected me but thou thyself hast given me no small proof of thyself thou art hard thou wise zarathustra hard strikest thou with thy truths thy cudgel forceth from me this truth flatter not answered zarathustra still excited and frowning thou stage-player from the heart thou art false why speakest thou of truth thou peacock of peacocks thou sea of vanity what didst thou represent before me thou evil magician whom was i meant to believe in when thou wailest in such wise the penitent in spirit said the old man it was him i represented thou thyself once devisest this expression the poet and magician who at last turneth his spirit against himself the transformed one who freezeth to death by his bad science and conscience and just acknowledge it it was long o zarathustra before thou discoverest my trick and lie thou believest in my distress when thou heldest my head with both thy hands i heard thee lament we have loved him too little loved him too little because i so far deceived thee my wickedness rejoiced in me thou mayst have deceived subtler ones than i said zarathustra sternly i am not on my guard against deceivers i have to be without precaution so willeth my lot thou however must deceive so far do i know thee thou must ever be equivocal trivical quadrivocal and quinquivocal even what thou hast now confessed is not nearly true enough nor false enough for me thou bad false coiner how couldst thou do otherwise thy very malady wouldst thou whitewash if thou showed thyself naked to thy physician thus didst thou whitewash thy lie before me when thou saidst i did so only for amusement there was also seriousness therein thou art something of a penitent in spirit i divine thee well thou hast become the enchanter of all the world but for thyself thou hast no lie or artifice left thou art disenchanted to thyself thou hast reaped disgust as thy one truth no word in thee is any longer genuine but thy mouth is so that is to say the disgust that cleaveth unto thy mouth who art thou at all cried here the old magician with defiant voice who dareth to speak thus unto me the greatest man now living and a green flash shot from his eye at zarathustra but immediately after 
he changed and said sadly, "'Oh, Zarathustra, I am weary of it. I am disgusted with mine arts. I am not great. Why do I dissemble? But thou knowest it well. I sought for greatness.' A great man I wanted to appear, and persuaded many. But the lie hath been beyond my power. On it do I collapse. O Zarathustra, everything is a lie in me, but that I collapse. This, my collapsing, is genuine. It honoureth thee said Zarathustra gloomily, looking down with sidelong glance. It honoureth thee that thou soughtest for greatness, but it betrayeth thee also. Thou art not great. Thou bad old magician. That is the best and the honestest thing I honour in thee, that thou hast become weary of thyself and hast expressed it, I am not great. Therein do I honour thee as a penitent in spirit, and although only for the twinkling of an eye in that one moment wast thou genuine. But tell me, what seekest thou here in my forest and rocks? And if thou hast put thyself in my way, what proof of me wouldst thou have? Wherein didst thou put me to the test? Thus spake Zarathustra, and his eyes sparkled. But the old magician kept silence for a while, then he said, Did I put thee to the test? I seek only. O oh, Zarathustra, I seek a genuine one, a right one, a simple one an unequivocal one, a man of perfect honesty, a vessel of wisdom, a saint of knowledge. A great man, knowest thou it not, O Zarathustra? I seek Zarathustra. And here there arose a long silence between them. Zarathustra, however, became profoundly absorbed in thought, so that he shut his eyes. But afterwards, coming back to the situation, he grasped the hand of the magician and said, full of politeness and policy, Well, up thither leadeth the way. There is the cave of Zarathustra. In it mayest thou seek him whom thou wouldst fain find, and ask counsel of mine animals, mine eagle and mine serpent. They shall help thee to seek." My cave, however, is large. I, myself, to be sure, I have as yet seen no great man. That which is great, the acutest eye is at present insensible to it. It is the kingdom of the populace. Many a one have I found who stretched and inflated himself, and the people cried, Behold, a great man! But what good do all bellows do? The wind cometh out at last. 
at last bursteth the frog which hath inflated itself too long then cometh out the wind to prick a swollen one in the belly i call good pastime hear that ye boys our to-day is of the populace who still knoweth what is great and what is small who could there seek successfully for greatness a fool only it succeedeth with fools thou seekest for great men thou strange fool who taught that to thee is to-day the time for it o oh, thou bad seeker why dost thou tempt me thus spake zarathustra comforted in his heart and went laughing on his way notes by anthony m ludovici the magician is of course an artist and nietzsche's intimate knowledge of perhaps the greatest artist of his age rendered the selection of wagner as the type in this discourse almost inevitable most readers will be acquainted with the facts relating to nietzsche's and wagner's friendship and ultimate separation as a boy and a youth nietzsche had shown such a remarkable gift for music that it had been a question at one time whether he should not perhaps give up everything else in order to develop this gift but he became a scholar notwithstanding although he never entirely gave up composing and playing the piano while still in his teens he became acquainted with wagner's music and grew passionately fond of it long before he met wagner he must have idealized him in his mind to an extent which only a profoundly artistic nature could have been capable of nietzsche always had high ideals for humanity if one were asked whether throughout his many changes there was yet one aim one direction and one hope to which he held fast one would be forced to reply in the affirmative and declare that aim direction and hope to have been the elevation of the type man now when nietzsche met wagner he was actually casting about for an incarnation of his dreams for the german people and we have only to remember his youth he was twenty-one when he was introduced to wagner his love of wagner's music and the undoubted power of the great musician's personality in order to realize how very uncritical his attitude must have been in the first flood of his enthusiasm again when the friendship ripened we cannot well imagine nietzsche the younger man being anything less than intoxicated by his senior's attention and love and we are therefore not surprised to find him pressing wagner forward as the great reformer and savior of mankind wagner in bayreuth english edition 1909 gives us the best proof of nietzsche's infatuation and although signs are not wanting in this essay which show how clearly and even cruelly he was subconsciously taking stock of his friend even then the work is a record of what great love and admiration can do in the way of endowing the object of one's affection with all the qualities and ideals that a fertile imagination can conceive when the blow came it was therefore all the more severe nietzsche at length realized that the friend of his fancy and the real richard wagner the composer of parsifal were not one the fact dawned upon him slowly 
disappointment upon disappointment revelation after revelation ultimately brought it home to him and though his best instincts were naturally opposed to it at first the revulsion of feeling at last became too strong to be ignored and nietzsche was plunged into the blackest despair years after his break with wagner he wrote the case of wagner and nietzsche contra wagner and these works are with us to prove the sincerity and depth of his views on the man who was the greatest event of his life the poem in this discourse is of course reminiscent of wagner's own poetical manner then it must be remembered that the whole was written subsequent to nietzsche's final break with his friend the dialogue between zarathustra and the magician reveals pretty fully what it was that nietzsche grew to loathe so intensely in wagner vis-a-vis his pronounced histrionic tendencies his dissembling powers his inordinate vanity his equivocalness his falseness Quote, it honoureth thee says zarathustra that thou soughtest for greatness but it betrayeth thee also thou art not great the magician is nevertheless sent as a guest to zarathustra's cave for in his heart zarathustra believed until the end that the magician was a higher man broken by modern values end of part 4 chapter 65 recording by john van stan savannah georgia